important questions go unasked because the straight loved one doesn't know what to ask, doesn't want to pry or judge, or just feels embarrassed. My dear friend Abby, not to be confused with dear Abby, always seemed to have great answers, no matter what the question, and now she's sharing those answers, and more, with everyone. I am Abby Dees, the author of Queer Questions, Straight Talk, 108 Frank and Provocative Questions It's Okay to Ask Your Lesbian, Gay, or Bi Loved One. Why 108? Because that seemed like a good number. Where did the questions come from? The questions came from all over the place, from my own experience, questions I had heard. But also, I put the call out via email, talking to my friends, encouraged people to send questions to friends, Facebook, the whole thing. And I wanted to hear questions that lesbian, gay, and bi people have heard, questions straight people have had or heard, questions we'd like to hear. And I think sometimes that gets forgotten. There are some questions that I think we'd like to hear that we don't get. An example of that, I would think, is, you know, what's the best thing about being gay? That kind of question. And what was interesting is that very few of the questions I got back were surprises or things I hadn't heard over the years. I've been out for a long time, so I've had a lot of conversations. I also heard a lot of questions that I didn't think people had anymore. And that told me that actually that I was on the right track with the book. And going to your first question, the genesis of the book, it's a twofold answer. It came about kind of accidentally, you could say, because I had been working as an editor, and I just edited a book on questions for caregivers to ask people they're caring for. And a lot of this has to do with kind of end-of-life issues and things like that. And my the editor, who's my mother, and my publisher and I were just sort of throwing around topics that might also benefit from a questions format. We liked that idea because questions allow the reader to participate and not just to be lectured to, but to be the expert and to bring their own wisdom. And and that was just an inspiring idea for us. And the gay and lesbian thing just sort of fell into my lap. It seemed like the right thing for me to do. So I sort of took it on as an assignment. But very quickly, I realized that this book had come about because of 20 years of experience I'd had of talking to people, and not only talking to people about my experience as a lesbian, but talking to other people about their experiences from different groups. This could have to do with race or disability or religion are the things that sort of come to mind, where I didn't know what to say, I didn't know what the right thing was to say, and I know very many of us are tempted when we're new to something to stay silent instead of risking causing offense and asking. And I often thought about how I would so much rather have someone ask a question that might be a little bit off the wall or maybe based in some assumptions that they have than have them stay silent and still carry around these assumptions. I think there needs to be room for the process. And so often we expect people to get everything right from the get-go. As soon as they're exposed to sort of a new community, a new way of thinking, there is this sense that people need to be politically correct, they need to have all the right terminology, they need to have no stereotypes. Where do you begin? That was what this was about, was making room and giving permission for that process. So the saying is right, there are no stupid questions. There are no stupid questions. Now, I do think that there's a time and a place for every question, and you don't have to answer every question that comes your way. But the book is really based on this idea that if you start from this place of respect and love, 
So I'm basically saying this is for you and someone you know very well. This is not for you and the barista at Starbucks. This starts from a place of basic trust and respect. And then if you have this book, you don't have to have the book, but I think you should, (laughs) between you, it sort of gives guidelines for how to have that conversation. You may decide that you want to talk about these things for two hours, and then that's it. Then you don't want to be peppered with these questions anymore. But I'm asking everybody, straight and gay alike, to give each other that generosity of your time and your openness, both to listen and to talk. And this goes for both sides. Yeah, there are no stupid questions in that context if you're coming from a genuine desire to know someone better. And you had all the answers or you had to do some research? I had to do some research. Um, I also asked, when I was asking people for questions, I encouraged people to also give me their answers, answers they've heard. Many of those answers are in the book. I do not have answers for all the questions in there. I don't want to give everything away. I want the reader to provide the answers. But in a number of cases, I provided kind of multiple answers to one question just to show that there are many ways to look at these questions. There's no one official gay word on anything, even questions as fundamental as, is it a choice? There are a lot of different answers to that question. One of the dirty little secrets about the LGBTQAI community (laughs) is that we're all just like homogenous. You know, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, God, I as a gay man have so many of these questions about lesbians that I would never ask because... I think maybe I should know that. Right, right. And so I'm saying, you can ask me if we have an agreement. You know, is it okay for me to ask these questions? Yes, it is. So now let's talk. Go ahead. Uh, I actually was being interviewed a couple of days ago, and a guy asked me a question that wasn't in the book. I sort of wish I'd had it in the book because it it was one of those questions I missed was, why do lesbians have no sense of humor? (laughs) And, you know, know. if somebody asked me that on the street, I'd say probably, you know, really go to hell. But, you know, he asked me this and it really in a spirit of I know this might be a stereotype, but because I knew what that was coming from. And so I had a good laugh. The first thing I said to him was, you just don't get our jokes. But, you know, I think sometimes a lot of people who I think are really, really sort of focused on their kind of identity politics sometimes don't lighten up about it. I mean, I think I've certainly met people from every background who I thought, okay, that was kind of funny. Why didn't they laugh? Because it was a little irreverent. I would say for the most part, lesbians have a great sense of humor, but I've certainly met those ones where I thought, oh, honey, lighten up. That was really funny. I point to women like Kate Clinton, who is one of the funniest people on the planet and so smart and really talking very truthfully about our lives. But I think more seriously that when you've had a lot of pain around your identity, it's easy to be sensitive. And you do have to give that some credit. You can't just say, oh, get a sense of humor. You have to look a little bit deeper than that and think, what's behind that? What experiences have you had that make you wary? And so... All the lesbians in my life are incredibly funny women. <laughs> it's so relative. I mean, I'm always asking gay male authors, is there a gay male artistic sensibility? I mean, there must be like a lesbian sensibility that's just slightly is. different. I don't think it has, and again, I'm speaking very generally, I don't think it has that kind of out and proud peacock look that a lot of gay men do so beautifully. And maybe it comes down to fundamental gender expression. We might be more subtle as women. We might There might be some real gender analysis to this that is beyond me at the moment. But 
I think there's something about gay men, and you can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but my theory about gay men and that sort of big, fabulous personality and the drag queen and all that stuff is that I think that for straight men that there is so much pressure to behave in a very prescribed way as men. And when a man realizes he's gay, he's breaking the biggest taboo of all around masculinity. And once you've done that, then the world is your oyster in terms of the freedom that you've got to express yourself sort of truly and completely. And I think a lot of gay men are reveling in that. And they're really enjoying the fact that they have already broken the biggest rule. And so now they're going to break all the rules and they're going to be themselves. They're going to let their colors fly. I think women in some ways, okay, okay I'm, gonna, I'm working on a theory here. I might be wrong. I think in some ways we're gender programmed to you know, look beautiful to to sort of dress up, wear makeup and do all this stuff. So in some ways, our liberation comes from saying, you know what, I don't have to do that anymore. I can actually be a little bit more down to earth. I can be more real. And maybe that creates a more subtle expression. There are so many questions covered in this book. It's a little book, but I really wanted to make sure I wasn't missing any sort of big section of our life. And I was surprised at how quickly everything fell into these categories. What do you hope that readers take away from it? I mean, one of the first things I had to do was back up and start with identity. What does it mean when we say we are lesbian, gay, or bi? I was tempted to start with coming out. And as I just sort of put pen to paper or virtual pen to paper, I realized that there was something before that. And it really was, again, what does it mean when we say that? Because we make a lot of assumptions. We make a lot of assumptions when we say that we are lesbian and gay and bi and, and what that means. But I think also straight folks who are new to these issues make assumptions about what that means. And it really confuses people when you say you're lesbian. And I actually have a friend who fits into this category. And in the time that I knew her, she had two affairs with men. But I challenged her on this. She said, no, no, I am a lesbian. I said, you're not bi? She said, no, I'm a lesbian. So we all mean something a little different. So... I had to back up from my own, like, well, of course I know what I mean, and open it up to what other people might mean. And coming out, the first thing that came to my mind, and really what I talk about in that chapter, is coming out is not a one-time thing. It is an ongoing process. And also, coming out is not just something for us. Coming out is for the straight people in our lives. You know, we've had, in some ways, our whole lives to understand what it is that we're doing when we finally say that we are one of these people. But our straight loved ones have not had necessarily that history. Or they have other gay and lesbian loved ones, but they hadn't really thought it would be you, or maybe they knew since you were two. But it's a process for them. And so really the message I wanted to get across was have patience with your own process. Give credit to every step you take, even if you're not, say, you know, as out and, and loud and proud as you could possibly be. And same thing for the straight people in our lives who are taking those small steps forward. They may not be where we want them to be, but if they're moving forward, give them a hand. This has been a conversation with Abby Dees, author of Queer Questions, Straight Talk, 108 Frank and Provocative Questions. It's okay to ask your lesbian, gay, or bi loved one. I'm Steve Pride. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.